I like funny stuff. I like funny stuff. And I, uh, one of the main reasons I'm on Facebook is because I find lots of funny stuff there, like this. The problem with quotes from the internet is that they're very hard to verify their authenticity from Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> who I follow on Twitter as well. <laughs> uh, I, I like, uh, this, is, this is one of my favorite memes. Um, and uh, it brings to, my, brings to my mind how a lot of times what we say can be misinterpreted or what we, can, what we say is actually misheard. Uh, one of the phrases uh, I, I tell my parents every year when I have their fifth grade student is, I promise, uh, I want you to promise not to believe half of what you hear I say in class, and I will promise not to believe half I, what I hear about happens at home. So it's sort of like a give and a take. Because um, we hear some, I, I, I really wish they would put cameras in the classroom. Um, the uh, teachers union, just to be clear, I am not part of the teachers union, and I've been accused of being before, but I, am, I bailed out of the teachers union years ago, not because of the financial aspect, but because of their liberal stance on everything. And I've mentioned that before. When I go to the voters' booth, I take their guide and uh, vote absolutely the opposite of what they say me to vote, because I know then I've got somebody who's really concerned about family and children and life. But uh, the Bible is unlike any other book. Um, it's the Word of God. It proves to us and it provides to us more than just stories, more than just characters, more than just direct statements from God. And maybe you haven't thought about that. I just died, didn't I? Nope, okay. Uh, am I too loud? I'll die. I've been accused of that before, usually at home. Uh, <laughs> uh, in, in the Bible, there is also the recorded, documented statement of individuals. And I never thought of this much before, but those statements that the individuals made are absolutely 100% accurate as well. Uh, among, there, there's lots of them, lots of great statements. Joshua said in, uh, back in, in the early books of the Old Testament, he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Then he said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. He, he said those specific actual statements. And if I'd have been there, I'd, have, I'd probably gotten goosebumps. Um, Joseph said, uh, ye meant to his brothers, ye meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Jesus, I would have loved to have been there at the Sermon on the Mount, the letters in red in our Bible. Every specific word that's recorded was exactly the word that that person spoke. There is no error. No, well, they said something like this. It's specific. And one of the, among the greatest of these uh, statements uh, made by men and women in human history, one of the greatest, I believe, is found in the story of David and Goliath. And I know this is Sunday school, so we're going to go back to that old-time story of David and Goliath this morning. And it's a question raised by David that places the highest motive on the right type of human behavior. It, it's, it's a statement he makes, it's a question he makes that should stir our hearts to the very core. So I would like you to open this morning to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. 
If you have your Bibles this morning, first chapter, first Samuel chapter 17. And I want to look at the scene here just to make sure we're all on the same page and understand the story. And there's like no greater distance than maybe 300 yards between the army of the Philistines and the army of Israel. They're located in the most narrow point of a valley called Elah. And uh, gathered on that western slope uh, was the Philistine army. And on the eastern slope was the army of Israel. And they were eyeball to eyeball, leaving that valley wide open. And David came to that scene of the two armies in a standoff. Uh, he came to their campsite, and he was questioned and accused by his brother of having the wrong motives. And in David responds in, in 1 Samuel 17, look down at verse 29 where we'll find our statement today. And it says, and David said, what have I now done? Here's the statement. And it gives me goosebumps. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? David said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason to be here? Doesn't something need to be done? The army of the Israelites had a great leader, King Saul. You remember when the Bible described him? He was taller than everyone else. He was good to look upon. Saul was a great physical specimen of a man. Why didn't he do something? There was no doubt that something needed to be done. A life of a nation was at stake. The Philistines were threatening them with a form of servitude. Someone needed to face the giant. Somebody needed to take responsibility. And when David inquired about what was going on, it was his own brother who rebuked him. The Bible says here in verse 28, And Elab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou wilt come down that thou mightest see the battle. In response to that, David says, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? I, I don't live in some olden day that exists only in the olden pages of history. I'm alive with the opportunity to serve Christ this day, this hour. And I need to find my place in the cause of Christ. If you read this story carefully, and what the king says in verse uh, 37 of the 17th chapter, at first I find this quite amusing, and, and then I find it really sorrowful to ponder this. In, in the 37th verse it says this, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. See what Saul said? He said, go, and the Lord be with thee. In other words, he says, I want you to go. I want you to remember, the Lord be with you. That almost sounds spiritual. Saul was, Saul was saying the right things, but he was saying it without a reality. The Lord wasn't real to Saul. He knew the speech to make. He knew the words to say. But God was not real to him. I, I'm troubled in my heart that when I think that a majority of people in churches today, just like ours, know the words to say, know the right speeches to make, but God's not real to them. It's a scary thought to me. 
we, we sit around and we say things like, oh, let's pray about it, or let's trust God in this matter. The Lord be with you, or God's word has the answer. And we use those little phrases that we know we're supposed to say, but many times this is the truth we're not speaking from the heart. May God deliver me from that pretense. So I'm asking, is God real to you today? My, my greatest fear is that I've been doing what I've been doing for so long that I'm doing it not in the strength of the Lord anymore. I, I try fearing to do God's will, God's work, without God's power. Saul's doing just that. He says, go and the Lord be with thee. And it sounded good. When I was a teenager, uh, my family met this charismatic missionary who was telling me how much he wanted God's blessing on my life, on my future plans, on everything I was doing. I wanted to be a medical missionary just like him. He became my spiritual hero. And I, I, I actually went and spent six weeks with them in the land of Bangladesh, in the country of Bangladesh, working at the mission hospital where he worked when I was 16 years old. And he said all the right things. But I learned later that while he was talking to me, while he was mentoring me, he was molesting children. He knew the speech, but he did not know the God of the speech. The king of Israel said, go, God be with you. But God was not in that man's speech. We need, we need to examine our own hearts to see if that fire is still burning. Is the fire still burning or are we just going through the motions? When David comes to the scene, his heart says, is there not a cause? The Lord Jesus Christ has given us a cause. Christ has given it to us. He says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. David, David still has a pioneering spirit. He wanted to accomplish the mission that God had given to him. He was ready because he had the cause of Christ forefront in his mind. So today I want to talk about five quick things about the cause of God. And pastor said that at uh, 1045 this microphone cuts out and Jim's jumping up and running out. So... Uh, I got to get through these five very quickly. Let's let's look at the five things about that I see in here about the cause of Christ. Number one, his cause will keep us on the right course. His cause will keep us on the right course. We're so easily sidetracked. Sometimes a, a thought or an idea comes to mind that de-emphasizes what God wants us to do. It grows a little bit bigger. And a little bit bigger until we're finally no longer what we we're do, we're no longer doing what we once did for Christ. I, I put this picture up here. It's it's more than just a beautiful picture to me, because there's a story behind this picture. During the hurricane, I was wimpy and evacuated to uh, to Michigan. <laughs> and uh, it's the first time in four years that I got to see the beautiful leaves change. And it's the first time in four years that I got to bow hunt. Um, and this is a picture from my bow hunting place, and um, I walk across this field, and there's a set of woods over here, and I climb a little hill, and there's my stand, and I, one morning I went there, and I sat, and as I sit there, I, I uh, have an iPad that I do some reading on, and 
Um, I watched the deer because I usually don't shoot anything. On my way out that morning, because the leaves were so beautiful, I decided to take a different way out. Usually I take a single path, a deer trail that I take out. I sneak through there. I'll go in the same way, come out the same way. And I decided to veer off that path because the leaves were so beautiful. And I got to this place. I said, that's pretty. And uh, I took out my cell phone and I took a picture and then went back home. And I got back home and got ready to hunt that night. And I reached into my pocket of my uh, hunting suit, and my iPad wasn't there. Well, wait a minute, where's my iPad? I must have left it in the car. So I got in the car, drove to my spot, looked around the car, it wasn't there. I thought, well, I must be really absent-minded. It must have been in the house. So that night, I got out of the tree stand, went my normal path, went home and looked, no iPad. And then it hit me. I must have dropped it on my way out. But that's okay, because I always take the same route. I take the same path. And then I went, oh, no, I didn't take the same path that morning. I was wandering all over the place. It could be anywhere out there. And then I thought of this picture. I had stopped right here. To take, so I flipped through my phone through the many pictures I took. And I walked right to this spot. I lined up these little two pine trees right here. And I lined up the pretty trees, and I looked down, and there was my iPad. Wow. It was right there. I'd have never lost it if I'd have stayed on the path. I'd have never not known where it was if I'd have followed the right course. David comes on this scene. He sees that his nation is in danger and about to be defeated. He saw that there is something that he needed to do. Something needed to be done. It was God's work. It was God's people. And somebody needed to stand up and do something about it. Listen, most people are not sidetracked by bad things. Usually, most people are sidetracked with good things. We trade a good thing for the best thing God has given us to do. We replace that best thing with something good, not best. His cause will keep us on the right course. Psalm 119, 1-3, Blessed are the undefiled that walk in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord, that path. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with a whole heart. They also do no, no iniquity. They walk in his ways. They stay on that path of scripture. They don't replace the best things with good things. His cause will keep us on the right course. Number two, his cause will help us establish the right priorities. His cause will help us establish the right priority. We, we have to prioritize. How we spend our time is a good indicator of where we've placed our priorities. Where we are dedicating our time is where we are dedicated. Is God's word a priority? Is God's work a priority? Is God a priority? If so, we'll be spending our time on that. Often we call our priorities the only things that ought to be our priorities, but they're not really given the time to make them our priorities. For example, somebody might say, oh, my family is a priority. And maybe they're saying that because they want their family to be a priority, but their family really is not a priority. It doesn't receive the time it's needed to be a priority. David says, is there not a cause? 
that helped him keep the priorities forefront. Keeping Christ in preeminence is a pro- places a priority for everyone else in, in life. Look at Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Here it comes, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He might be number one. Listen, the army of Israel needed food. They needed to be fed. They needed training. They needed equipping. Perhaps some of them needed some medical attention from the normal routine things that came up in military life. There were all kinds of things going on in that army camp, but there was nothing, nothing more important than the fact that somebody needed to trust God for the faith to fight Goliath. Many things are important. Some things are really important. Some things are extremely important. But only one thing is preeminent. And that's number one. Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ should never be one of. He is the one and only. David did not fight the giant because the giant needed to be defeated. He fought the giant because God had to be obeyed. Because God is preeminent. His cause will help establish the right priorities. Let's go to number three. Since I'm running out of time. His cause demands a sacrifice. Look at verses 31, 32. And when the words were heard, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. The, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David said, I'm going to go. I'm going to make the sacrifice. If you haven't learned this yet, you will. Obeying God costs something. It doesn't come easy. It's not cheap. Listen, this entire camp was filled with soldiers. But only one man said, I will go. I will do it. I will fight him. The work of God can be, not be done with our spare resources. We have to give him our best. I remember one time I was in to get a tire fixed at a tire place. And I was on the waiting list, and I was sitting waiting for them to patch my flat tire. And I remember this college student, and it was at Ferris State University who actually won the Division II state, uh, National Championship yesterday. Woo! Go Big Rapids. Um, I was sitting there in Big Rapids, and um, a, a young college student came in. And he says, I'm having trouble with my car. It's just shaking every time I drive down the road. And I think it's my tires. And a service worker walked out and, and inspected his car and came back and shaking his head. And uh, the manager said, what, do you have a bad tire? And the guy goes, no, you're not, you're not going to believe this. You need to come see this. And they walked out. And you know those rubber spare tires that are solid rubber that you put on your car when you have a flat? And it says, do not drive over 25. And it's solid rubber, so it's never going to go flat. He had four of them on. <laughs> he had four spares on his car. And he was wondering why things weren't running right. God doesn't want one spare He wants our best. David was willing to put his life on the line. He took the greatest risk because this faith life had become a part of the fabric of his life. You know how I know? If you take a minute, I'll I'll jump ahead here, to 2 Samuel chapter 24. We see an event later in David's life that illustrates this so well. 
David is now the king. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 24. He's about to buy a piece of land on which he could build a place to worship God. He's going to build a worship center on this piece of land. The owner, Arana, realizing who it is that's asking for this land, to buy his land, the king of Israel, he offers to give it to David. Not only that, but he offered to provide all the building materials and all the oxen needed for sacrificing. He's going to give them all to David free of charge. Wow. What a great sacrifice. But look at David's response in verse 24 of 2 Samuel 24. David says, Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. I'm not going to give offerings to God if it came to me for free. I want my cause to cost me something. Because the cause of Christ demands a sacrifice. God has designed the Christian life so that the people who yield, give, surrender, and sacrifice themselves to God receive that greatest blessing. If you're not being blessed by God, maybe you're not sacrificing enough. The people who hold on to their lives and say, Lord, it's mine. I'll do with it as I please. I'll make the decisions. I'm going to only yield part of it to you. Those people get the least blessings and the least fulfillment out of the Christian life. It was not easy to move to Florida. People go, well, you're right. Move to Florida? What a great idea. I had to sacrifice family. I sacrificed school. I sacrificed my hunting, unless a hurricane hits. I sacrificed my friends. I've sacrificed my church. It's sacrifice. But I know God wants me here. So I'm being blessed. That's why we had the hurricane, just so you know. So I could go north to hunt because God's blessing me because I sacrificed. So blame me. The next one will be Hurricane Paul and it'll be four weeks long. That's fine. I need to be up in a tree anyway. God has designed the Christian life so that we give and yield our lives to him. When we do that, we receive the greatest blessing from the greatest yielding. When David said, is there not a cause? He realized it demanded sacrifice. That's why he said, send me. Keeps us on the right track. His cause establishes the right priorities. His cause demands a sacrifice. And his cause requires more than the energy of the flesh. Let's see if I can get there. There we go. His cause requires more than the energy of the flesh. The Bible says here in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with sword and with spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. David realized that it would take more energy of the flesh, that would take more than energy of the flesh to do the work of God. It was more than just what he could do. Have you ever become weary in well-doing? Do you realize that God has a purpose for weariness just as he has a purpose for strength? God has a purpose for difficulty just as much as he has a purpose for deliverance. God has a purpose for trials just as much as he has a purpose for triumph and victory. 2 Corinthians 12.9, we know it well. It reminds us that his strength 
is made perfect in our weaknesses. So when we're weak, he becomes the strongest. As we become weaker and weaker, we must realize that our need of strength depends on him. God, in so many ways, allows us that, to see what we need in him. And again and again, we come to know that his word requires his strength, not ours. 30 years, 30 years of working in a polluted public school system. Every day asking for his strength to continue to do his work in a place where light of the gospel is as dim as the jungles in Africa. And it is. I know personally that his work can only be done in his strength, not ours. And you face the same thing in your job or occupation or neighborhood where, where you get weary this giant came to David with everything a man could gather. A body nearly 10 feet tall. Weapons most people couldn't even lift. A sword and an armor bearer. Still, they were no match for a shepherd boy clothed in the strength of the Lord. Because that's what David put on. Look at verse 46. This day will the Lord deliver thee unto my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David said, I might not look like much, and you might look like you have everything at your advantage. However, I have the Lord. When we come to the place of yielding our lives to God's disposal, then God avails himself to us. His cause requires more than energy of our own flesh. Last one, and this one makes, I told Pastor I don't dance often, but this one makes me want to dance. I won't do it, though, because that would be not something you want to look at. His cause, here it comes, is eternal. His cause is eternal. What David did that day was much bigger than David. What I'm doing in my Christian life is much more far-reaching than my life. The cause in which I'm involved in is bigger than me. It's greater than just one person. The work of God reaches much farther than my station, my place, or my time on earth. Can we prove it? You're sitting here because someone who is no longer here in generations past knew that the work, the cause of Christ was eternal. And they passed it on. The grace of God has allowed me to have just a little part in something that is eternal. God placed me in this framework of time into something that takes all eternity. The Bible says here in 1 John 2.17, And the word passeth, the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. This helps me not to become discouraged when I fail. It helps me not to get upset when I don't reach that one particular goal. Because God's work is eternal. His calendar isn't the same as mine. It's eternal. The question is not if he's on my schedule, but am I on his? I'm afraid that most of the time we try to put him on our schedule. We attempt to squeeze him in and say, hey, Lord, this is when it needs to be done. This is when I want it done. This is the way I want it done. 
And then God lets us get there, and when we wonder, oh, where's the Lord? How come he's not here in this? That's because God isn't working on our timetable. It's not necessarily that he doesn't want to, but he wants us to learn that we are to work on his time. Look what David says in verse 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. We've been given a serious opportunity to touch eternity while we're here, in our time. If we keep that cause of Christ before us. May God help us do that. Keep that cause in front of us. It's my goal. I want the cause of Christ to be my goal. Not what I've done on earth as a human. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for David's example. We thank you for the cause that you've plugged us all into. We pray, Father, that you'll help us to realize that what we are doing today may seem insignificant and small, but the cause is yours and the cause is eternal so that we can forever live with you in heaven. In your name we pray, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.